the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Monday, July 17th, 2023. I am Seth Leibson. I'm looking at Bill to my north, and I'm looking at David to my west. David Dahl, yeah, you don't think you're on the west side of me, but you are. Yeah, you are. You are. 602-508-0960. is uh, your key to entry if you'd like to join the conversation or put something up for conversation. The No Labels party or movement has now issued its 2024 platform a write-up at the bulwark gets it just right saying quote 63 pages of political pabulum the platform is meant to soothe us to sleep which is exactly the state no labels hopes voters will be in so they pick its candidate no labels calls its platform common sense But Tom Paine, who authored the original anti-British pamphlet with that title, must be looking for an airbag in his grave as he rolls over in it. His revolutionary tract did not equivocate or indulge in both sidesism. In sharp contrast, this new document is a manifesto of the mealy-mouthed. Instead of acknowledging that one of our two political parties is directly challenging the democracy upon which our freedom Stands No labels acts as if all will be well if we just vote for a sensible third-party candidate in the middle of the road. But the problem with their 2024 brand of being in the middle of the road to adapt the old saying is that we're the ones who will likely end up roadkill. Close quote. There's a reason I don't exactly love the editorial positions of the bulwark. As in this case, you will note the veiled hint that there is a political party in America, the Republican Party. According to them, that is directly, in their words, challenging the democracy upon which our freedom stands. The Republican Party being the party that resisted the effort to federalize elections, which as a result expanded voting in places like Georgia, where we were told if we didn't federalize elections, voter suppression would take place. But it was suppression only if to suppress means more voters voting, which is what happened because Republicans hewed to the constitutional order In regard to elections, the Republican Party being the party that is trying to preserve such constitutional normative absolutes like free speech and freedom of religion and other legislative and bill of rights guarantees, the Republican Party that is opposed to government suppression of speech, but we're challenging democracy upon which our freedom stands? As John Cleese might say in Faulty Towers, right – But let's talk political parties and pabulum for a moment, might we? Let's talk about this pseudo-sophisticated, above-it-all attitude of the no-labels movement. Once more, from the bulwark, just so you know, the pabulum is not just a breakfast cereal. Shall we start with the banalities? On voting rights, the no-labels platform literally says, quote, Every legal voter should have the right and the ability to vote. Every legal vote should be counted, and every counted vote should be verified, close quote. Can anyone possibly disagree with that? The devil is not in no labels details, but in its 
platform's total lack of them when it comes, for example, to the words every legal vote. Then there's national security. Get this, quote, a world led by America is safer than a world led by Russia and China, close quote. I'm for that. How about you? On civil rights, the document says, quote, every American deserves respect and freedom from discrimination, close quote. Now are you on board? As for transgendered individuals, No Labels refuses to take a stand, simply offering the hope for leaders, quote, who consider this controversial issue from a position of dignity, respect, and common sense, close quote. It's one of the many times in the document that the noun common sense or adjective common sense are used to dodge specifics on difficult subjects. John F. Kennedy famously attributed to Dante the quote that the hottest places in hell are reserved for those who in times of great moral crisis maintain their neutrality. It's actually not a quote or line found in Dante, and there have been variations of it. Nonetheless, for those who take public policy or politics seriously, it maintains a certain credible resonance. And politics should be taken seriously. It is, after all, how we govern ourselves, and more importantly, how we build the community in which we engage in everything from our family lives to our business and recreational lives. In his first chapter on politics, in his book by the same title, Aristotle puts it that, quote, It is a characteristic of man that he alone has any sense of good and evil, of just and unjust, and the like, and the association of living beings who have this sense makes a family and a state. Further, he goes on, the state is by nature clearly prior to the family and to the individual, since the whole is of necessity prior to the part, close quote. Now, it may seem odd to think that the state is prior to the family, and it may hit our ears a little awkwardly, but the point Aristotle is making is that if we don't envision and create a just and good state or community, polis, we cannot raise a just and good family. The environment for thriving, in other words, must be envisioned and created if we want the success of any organ or organism within it. Remember Andrew Yang? When he came to Arizona some months ago to help start the No Labels Party here, the Arizona Republic reported this, quote, at a crowded, buzzy launch in downtown Phoenix, Yang, Yang called Arizona ground zero for democracy. This is a genuine swing state that's going to determine the future of America, he said. You may remember Andrew Yang. He was a media phenom in the 2020 Democratic primaries, but really not anywhere else. He came in eighth in New Hampshire and then dropped out of the race only to endorse Joe Biden. He then ran two years ago for mayor of New York City, and came in fourth. Yes, there is some buzz around this in the No Labels group, but I'm not sure exactly why or what for. For what it's worth, if you look up the Arizona chair, he's an attorney who specializes in, of all things, marijuana legalization. Not exactly the most burning issue or needed thing right now, I would or should think. If you go to the No Labels National website, a lot of it is, most of it is, about campaign finance and government reform. Now, if you're like me, you think you're in the midst of what Shakespeare once called airy abstraction. But isn't the point of political parties and ideologies undergirding them to remove such abstractions? As Theseus put it in the Midsummer Night's Dream, we're here to give airy nothingness a local habitation and a name. 
something to actually believe in and argue and vote for that, yes, per force does invite surprise, argument and disagreement. I mean, who supports hate? Who opposes, who opposes each of us meeting our full potentials? That's the kind of thing the No Labels Party puts in its platform. I worry about a movement dressed up as a political party and platform that sounds like a Michelle Obama self-help book. As she put it in the light we carry, quote, to mix our differences with togetherness. In knitting, when you create the first stitch of a new project, you cast on. When an item is finished, you bind it off. Both of these actions I found are incredibly satisfying. The bookends of something manageable and finite. They give me a sense of completion and a world that will always and forever feel like chaotic and incomplete. Anytime your circumstances start to feel all-consuming, I suggest you try going in the other direction, toward the small, close quote. Bill was waiting for that. Go to the small, or some kind of other authentic frontier gibberish. That's no labels. Frontier gibberish. Airy abstraction. Personality over principles, which is a very dangerous thing indeed. Here's the jig. Think about what the major issues of the day are to you, to our nation. Here's my guarantee. If you go to a state GOP convention in any state or a state Democratic Party convention in any state or their national conventions, you'll find general agreement on solutions to those issues, general agreement, be it on race-based policies or affirmative action, be it on the judicial interpretation of the Constitution, be it on the First or the Second Amendment, be it on abortion rights, be it on government emergency health mandates, be it on school curricula or school choice, or be it on national defense. You may see some disagreement on particulars, especially on foreign and defense policy and its particulars. But if you ask five members, any five members of no labels in any state or any community what their views are, you will not have anything like a general consensus or a field theory, unified or even bifurcated. I think rather what you will find is varying affiliations with bifurcated beliefs from the two major parties, which are not vague on where they stand on any of the foregoing or other major issues you care about. What you do see is an appeal to rank choice voting, which, at least as I see it, is a complicated revision or solution in search of a problem that will make if anything, voting more difficult for people to understand. That's something else I don't think we need just now. It's hard enough for us to get simple majority and plurality runoffs apprehensible here, isn't it? My general thought about all of this, I'm not skilled enough to know how these parties will affect elections, primary or general, or which party they will harm most. My sense is they are not good for the Democratic Party when it comes to voting as they are steeped in generalized liberalism and that they will siphon some money from putative Republicans who have never understood the party is not what they define or redefine it to be based on something like five years of off-the-cuff statements of retired Republican heroes. We suffer from a lot of distraction in our politics. We also suffer from the notion that we can rise above our ideological differences. We can do that, I think, if and only if we start seeing those differences and philosophies as unimportant. But as most of us know and have known since the time of, say, Aristotle, they are actually the most important things on which we can or should focus. There are a lot of competing views in America. The idea that there are not is to defy reality. 
And the idea that we can feel the saving or salvation of the country based on empty platitudes and bromides will lead to just that, emptiness. What we need now is not more nothingness or what John Locke called the subtle arts of shifting. What we need now is something of stronger stuff. We used to call it principle. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Rob's in surprise. Hello, Rob. Happy Monday. Uh, happy Monday to you, too, sir, and I hope you had a great uh, weekend. Thank you. Uh, it's about 116 degrees out here in the West Valley, but hey, it's Arizona. We don't mind. It's a desert. But, yeah, it's a desert. We have Pro plus, tip. We have a pool. Yes. Yeah, and we, and we have air conditioning. And we have um, air conditioning. First of all, I, I wanted to compliment you on both last Thursday and Friday's monologues because it ties in really nicely with what you were talking about with the no-label uh, people. Um, one of the big complaints I've had about the Republican Party is that we do a lousy job marketing and selling our, if you will, product or product or belief. Uh, and and I think that's, that's one of the things that... Uh, you know, if anything, what we need are labels uh, that tell people, here's what we believe. Here's what we stand for. Here's here's why we stand for them. And and yet the Republicans, whether it's at the national level or even at the state level, we don't seem to do a very good job of, of selling the Republican Party to people. You'll see some meetings of, you know, like-minded Republicans. You'll, you'll uh, go to a I, I remember going to a, a gun store in uh, Surprise here about a year or two ago, and there was a, a lady with a table with all the Republican handouts for the 2020 election. And I thought, well, this isn't really going to sell the product. This isn't really going to get the points across because it's one nice lady, and I did talk to her for a while. But that's one of the big issues is the Republicans don't do a good job telling others what uh, what it is that we stand for and against. And I think that's one of the big things that needs to change. I mean, yeah, the media is not going to help much, but I mean, you know, in the next year and a half, we they uh, who are in charge of the money could possibly just, just put in some 30-second uh, video ads on various uh, channels if they'd let them. Um, and and just say, hey, you know, people, you you you're always hearing one side of the story, but you're not hearing the other side. And here's what the other side is all about. I don't know. What do you think? Well, sure. And um, I, you know, I, one of the things I'm not so sure about, just I'm not, is that. While the Democrats are very good at social media, it seems to me, and, and, and ground games, it seems to me that they tend to do it on a much larger national basis than the Republicans. Um, one of the most effective Republican organizers is a gentleman named Scott Pressler. You may know who he is. He's been on oh, the yeah, show. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, so yeah. He, he has I know, been, I know you know, he has been... Uh, tweeting to the RNC and particularly Rona McDaniel 
to um, use him and deploy yes. him. And I think I think that would and, it would be it would be political malpractice not to. I, I would oh, I would farm him out to run the entire uh, <laughs> the entire yes. national grassroots effort and social absolutely. media uh, uh, branding pla- uh, branding uh, program. Yeah, I agree, and I, I think you know if we could mint about a thousand Scott Presslers and have about fifty in each state uh, or more, um, I think that could take care of a, a lot of one of the problems that uh, the Republicans seem to have. Because yeah, Scott's been doing a bang up job just getting people to register, and he's so effective. Door door. He's just so yes, effective. I mean, I, I was just yeah. when I had him in here, I was just so impressed with the quickness and agility of his mind and knowledge of the issues i mean and he's so disarming you know you you just yeah. don't see it coming he looks like uh yeah. someone you might run into at uh at a you know i don't know a country music fest or something and he's just <laughs> he's no he he likes his boots and his long hair and his beard and all that and he's super, oh, yeah. you know thin and tall and all that but he's just he is really smart and really quick oh, yeah. and very and- good at uh making a a, a big point apprehend comprehensible in a short period of time yeah, and I think it's the the message is just could be as simple as can be. I mean, you know, we talk about uh, you know strong national defenses and secure borders and uh, low inflation and all the usual things, and not getting involved in overseas conflicts where we have no national interest and all all the little things like that. But but you can maybe advertise it on a much larger larger scale. And I I totally agree with you about Scott. Except I think and. I think that um, he he does look a lot like Getty Lee from Rush. Yeah, I mean, no, he does actually. Uh, <laughs> I was I I'm glad you said that. I, I was trying to figure out who is it he looks like. Yeah, and he does look like yeah. Getty Lee from Rush. There's no question that's yeah. who he looks like, which is fine. Yeah, well, not a bad yeah. look for the Republican Party in some respects. Not a bad look at all. <laughs> he's, he's Canadian, but yeah. but uh, thank thank you for your time. That's that's my two cents. I yeah. think better marketing, better uh, getting the ideas across. Yeah. And, uh, Young David is reminding me of the famous line from Ronald Reagan's uh, CPAC speech. I think it was circa 1976. Yeah. What was it? A banner. We stand for a banner of bold, unmistakable colors with no pale pastels. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's what no labels is. It's it's not even pastel. It's just pale. And anyway, <laughs> it's an opportunity. I mean— it's a funny thing, no labels, too. I mean, weird branding. We're going to be the no labels part. We're going to be the nothing. They're going to be the Seinfeld of politics. We're going to be a party about nothing. That's basically what they're telling us. And what you shall call us is no labels. Very odd. Maybe it makes people feel good to be part of that. Maybe it's a cocktail party out. Oh, what are your politics? Oh, I'm with no labels. I you can't. You can't can't pin me down okay well hope you don't govern either be right back welcome back to the seth liebson show john dombrowski is the founder and president of grand canyon planning associates his website is grand canyon planning Dot com. He's also the host of his own radio show. You can hear it here every Saturday morning at 7 a.m. It's the Word on Wealth. How are you, John? Fantastic, Seth. How's it going? I'm doing just fine, I suppose. Great. 
The bad news for Powerball players is they didn't mm-hmm. win in the most recent pick. But the good news is yes. that it is now soared, and there's another shot at it for a what a, a coffers Nine, of nine hundred million dollars. Yeah, kid, kid, yeah, almost a billion billion dollars. Yeah. It might be right. by the time uh, by the time the next drawing comes. Unbelievable! Could yeah. you imagine? <laughs> I, I, you know, it'd be kind of hard to think. You know, and I think they had said like ninety percent of the lottery winners uh, have gone bankrupt. You know, there's some statistic out there. Yeah, no, so. it's it's um, yeah, it's. Uh, I did a calculation, I think, on this, which was kind of interesting. Yeah. Is that I th- you would receive over two million dollars over a twenty year period of time if you took the annuity. Oh, okay. Two million a month. Okay. A do you month. think that a someone month. would go bankrupt? A month. A month. <laughs> what do you have to do to go bankrupt at a two million? <laughs> two million bucks a, month. a month. Yeah. And that's after taxes, you know, because you had your, you know, the annuity, uh, you sure. know, would take the taxes right off the top. So uh, that Talk would be to pretty me amazing. About taxes, though, yeah, there is a big bite here. You don't just walk away with a nine hundred million dollars if you don't take the annuity. You know, I think if it's a responsible person, someone who understands finance and someone who can manage money to a degree, meaning not you could physically manage it yourself right. as a, as an investment advisor, but someone who understands uh, money, uh, you probably could take the cash. Yep, portion rather right. than the annuity. Yeah. Um, but if you were to take the annuity, that pretty much secures you for the next 20 plus years. Sure. And if you invest that money wisely, my gosh, it's it would be uh, pretty amazing to, yeah. to see what someone could do with that. Yeah. Now, what's interesting is, is if you, we go you back. You still do over $100 million bucks. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't, you still go ahead. Go ahead. It's it's just in, insane the amount of uh, money that that would be for yeah. one person. Right. Um, the first Powerball, I think they had said, was back in 1992. Oh, and okay. It, I think the jackpot was like 5.9 million dollars. Okay. Uh, big difference, you know, from 5.9 million now. Up there to, is, the, but you're right. The sociological thing on this is so interesting on a couple of fronts. You're right. A lot of the people who win these things don't do well, which goes to the thesis of the importance of earned success, right? Mm-hmm. Earned success is always understanding, better than yep. And understanding when, how to manage and money. And understanding yep. how to manage it. The other thing I read years ago, a professor at University of Pennsylvania did a story or did an essay on a, a paper on happiness and, mm-hmm. um, and how fleeting it can be with even people who get big windfalls like this. It yeah. lasts not very long. The good news is also, though, but sadness. If, you have, if you're born naturally happy, if you're a naturally happy person and a yeah. tragedy happens to you, I mean something really bad like the loss of a limb or a family member or something, mm-hmm. it also goes away. So if you, if you are, if you are yeah. born with you know, a natural good set point, these extremes yeah. don't last very long. Uh, no, because you can many times overcome some of those if yeah. you have good support and yeah. so forth from family members and friends. Uh, but um, you're right. So, so when if you were to, uh, you know, a lot of these jackpots are not hundreds of millions of dollars. Maybe someone wins a million dollar right. uh, lottery and you think, oh, my God, that's amazing. And, yeah. you know, a million dollars is not a million dollars anymore, right? right? Like it used right. to be. Right. Um, you know, uh, so if you won a million, you, you took the cash and you got, you know, 500000 you could you could probably burn through five hundred thousand dollars pretty quickly if you sure. don't understand how to manage money properly. Sure. sure, and that's what happens. All the family members come out, all of the friends come out, and all of the, you know, the leeches come out, and uh, people just get taken advantage of, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if if anyone's out there listening, if you win this Powerball, um, please call me. 
Or, or well, you know what I might say too, John? <laughs> if you win this, call you. Or if you just happen to inherit a fair amount of money too. Yes, it's not a different analysis. Really, it is not a different analysis. Right. If yes, if you're not used to you know handling large sums of money like this, uh, it, you can you can lose. Uh, focus and and be taken advantage of pretty easily, mm-hmm. and we certainly don't want that to happen. Right, right, you know, right, right. Someone's fortune to become someone's misfortune. But there are tools to build on it, and you're someone. Yes, can talk absolutely, to just and uh, you know, and just generally, uh, let's get people on track to a successful retirement. Even if you don't win the lottery, and how do you do that? Pick up the phone, please. Give me a call. Go to our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com. Thank you, John. You bet. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities, LLC, a member of Finra and Sipic, and an investment advisor. Grand Canyon Plenty Associates, LLC, and Creative One Securities, LLC, and not affiliated. Talk don't, don't be afraid to tell yep. John if he says, what's your retirement plan right now? And don't be afraid yeah. to say playing the lottery. He'll, he'll straighten you out. He'll fix yeah, you it's, out. it's not, not necessarily a successful way to do <laughs> it's it. But not, it's we can, not, we could con- can work we'll with try that to compute person. that. Yeah, yeah we'll compute right. that in the, uh, <laughs> in the numbers. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> All bye, right. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show, 602-508-0960. As reported in the Arizona Republic today, Dennis Prager and I and a few others will be testifying at the Arizona State Legislature tomorrow uh, morning at 9 a.m. If you want to go, it's open. It's uh, public, open to the public. Um, We will be talking about free speech and Arizona's public universities based on the incidents uh, that took place around and since Dennis Prager's uh, visit to ASU back in February. Uh, so, uh, again, Dennis will be in town uh, testifying. I'll be there and uh, Ann Atkinson uh, and some representatives from ASU and Professor Owen Anderson will all be testifying there. It'd be uh, great to see him. And uh, I think uh, young David's going to go, so you can uh, meet him as well. But speaking of you, young David, how how did your uh, barbecue end up uh, going on uh, on on this weekend, Sunday? I think it went it well. Yes, it was Sunday. You went yes. with barbecued beef ribs. After all, it looked like uh, I, I had a few beef ribs in the in the uh, in, in the event that you showed up. Uh-huh. I had mostly chicken. Yeah, yes, it was mostly chicken. Everyone ate well. They looked good on chicken. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it was great. It was tasty. I, I brought some into the office, and now you just need to try it. Right? <laughs> you know my diet is so weird, though. But they looked great, so congrats. How long did it take to cook them? A couple hours. Did it? Well, I threw the ribs on for a few hours. Yeah. And I was kind of doing a, a smoky thing. Yeah. And it was low and slow. Sauce is say. important. Did you have a lot of sauce I on? I did some dry sauce and I marinated them overnight. I oh, marinated good. everything overnight nice. for a few hours. Saturday, nice. I spent hours. I made some marinade, different kinds of marinades for everything beer marinades, olive oil marinades, everything. You're, yeah, you're, yeah. you're a great cook. Did you put it on <laughs> Instagram? Did you? No, no. I, I, that, no, that was, that was, there was too much heat. And, too much no, going yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. Well, well done, sir. Well done. Doug Schoen, you sometimes see him on um, Fox News. He's known as a Clinton consultant and a Democrat who sometimes says seemingly moderate things, who sometimes is willing to blame his own party. He has a piece at The Hill today. The Republicans' culture wars are dooming the party to failure. Is that your sense of it? Is that your sense, or, or is this one of those cases where you kind of have to ask yourself why the why why Democrats are telling Republicans what to do? 
It's like that old Jim Gaffigan joke when you go camping and you see the sign that says, if you see a bear, don't run. And Gaffigan says, who put that sign up? The bear? You know, <laughs> it's like that a little bit. Democrat consultants telling Republicans not to run on social issues. He says that um, he, ma- he, he makes this point, which is an impossibility. I mean, sometimes Doug will say an okay thing here and there, and I, but he says this, this one thing, which is just an impossibility. Um, he says that the problem with Republicans gambling on picking up independence over these kind of social or cultural issues, like, for example— issues having to do with transgenderism, is that, in Schoen's words, the most far-right voices tend to drown out the reasonable voices, thus frightening independence. Well, whose fault is that, if it's even true? I'm not sure it's even true, but if it's that we can't talk about issues because the media wants to find our least tempered or least least well tempered members because they think it's a good way to make fun of us what are we to do about that i mean what are we to do are we supposed to have kevin mccarthy write to nbc and say you can only interview me and jim jordan and i don't know mike walsh and mike gallagher the congress i mean this is this is this is why i say it's an impossibility there's not a thing we can stand for um, that is as innocent and anodyne as tax reform policy any more than as perhaps uh, what, well, you know, might be a little bit more, I don't know, uh, emotional or third railish as a cultural issue without the media wanting to go to those in our movement or those in our party that will not make us look as good as we might otherwise look. So why not just stop talking about everything? I mean, truly, why not just stop talking about everything? Um, Also, when he uses, as he does in his column, the phrases far right and extreme and that our party has far right and extreme views on these things, what, what would just be right what would be what would ever to a columnist, a Democrat or a regular mainstream media reporter, what would ever just be conservative? Why why is far right now the default to everything? At a certain point, is it going to be farther right, farthest right? What happened to just conservative, or what happened to just um, Republican or traditional or God, heaven forfend, common sense or moderate? I got to tell you, when you look at the polling on this stuff particularly transgender sports and bathrooms and schools. The vast majority of the American public, at least the last Pew poll I saw on this, were, were up on this issue 60%. There's a 60% favorability on this, making one wonder what his definition of extreme is. I don't even know how you can label a movement that opposes what the left is doing on these issues as extreme. I, I, if, if you want extreme, where was this issue five years ago? Where was it? It was nowheresville. 
it's it's been foisted on our culture over the last five years, or at least since maybe six years, 2017. That's when National Geographic, in their January issue, put 11-year-old boys and girls on their cover and did an entire issue dedicated to 11-year-old boys and girls who became girls and boys and, you know, went through the transgendering process. And that was age ages 10 and 11, most of them, 10 and 11. And now we're getting stories about it even taking place at younger ages. And we're, I don't even know how you have the gall to think anyone who resists that can be in the same dictionary as the word extreme. We're the extremists on this. We're the extremists on this. They are overcoming fact. They are trying to overwhelm nature. And they're doing it at the young and tender ages. of. I'm not talking about 28-year-olds or 38-year-olds or 48-year-olds. Who the heck cares what a 28, 38, or 48-year-old wants or does or decides? You know, have your full body autonomy, of course, Five-year-olds? I mean, 11-year-olds even? 15-year-olds? 16-year-olds? Think about what you knew and what you thought you knew when you were at any of those ages. And you want to make permanent changes to your body and your physiology? Oh, my gosh. Doug Schoen can stuff it as far as I'm concerned. We can't be strong enough on this issue. It's moderation in the pursuit of justice, not extremism. How, how do you think we're doing economically? Bank failures and stock market volatility, talk of a recession, inflation that's hardly transitory. Where do you invest? Well, why refi has a solution and an answer to that question. They have a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return, and it's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed. It's a portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off. You can compound it, whatever you like, with no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure and collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi, and they're headquartered here locally. I encourage you to stop by their offices on Scottsdale Road and the 101. I've been there. And you won't get asked to sign a thing. You won't get a sales pitch. They leave that up to me. But when you do meet with them, you'll uh, you'll see at the team. You'll see that why I like and trust the team at Why Refi so much. Why Refi is a due diligence approved firm where you can earn up to a ten and a quarter percent rate of return. That's right, a ten point two five percent fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest the letter Y then R E F Y. Dot com or give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34, 888-Y-REFI-34. <clears throat> this, this, this is maybe a small story, but it may have larger implications. I, I saw it off Fox News. Um, Miranda Lambert, you know the country singer Miranda Lambert, lashes out at fans during concert, causing a few people to walk out. Um, she was playing one of her signature songs, Tin Man. I think we have it in our bumper, actually. We don't need to play it, David. But it's a very moving song. It's a, it's a, it's a ballad, and it's a very meaningful song for her and to her about that terrible breakup that she went through in public. And, and, and I guess there were a group of people in the front row who were taking selfies, and it was kind of interrupting her singing. And she just stopped a few bars into the song 
and said, I'm going to stop right here for a second. There's video of it. These girls are worried about their selfies and not listening to the song. She said, it's, you know what, me off a little bit. I don't like it at all. We're here to hear some country music and um, sit down. We'll start again. Well, I, you know, we were just talking about selfies the other day, weren't we, uh, with Rabbi Lush? And, you know, I understand you're at a concert. You may have really good seats and all that. I can understand the temptation. Maybe maybe not right in the middle of an emotional ballad in its first bars, but it's a small thing about a big thing, in a sense, too. Enjoy the show. Enjoy that You're there for the show. She's not paying tickets to... <laughs> take pictures of you or hear you sing you're paying money good money to go see and hear her perform but moreover manners 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 edmund burke on manners still one of the greatest quotes of western civilization more important than laws laws touches here and there he says but manners affect our entire lives they are either what soothe and refine or degrade and defame the culture and life that we live in on a daily basis. All right, I am Seth Leibson, and we'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.